This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Hello there, how you doing? It's uh, Kevin Riley here, and welcome to the Irish Time here on the Manitou People's Radio in sunny Palmerston North today. It really is a beautiful sunny day, but pretty cold still with that wind. Anyway, I'm just going to go through a wee bit of news here for you and uh, see how you react. Anyway, what I've got here is from the Belfast Telegraph. <clears throat> Plans to erect a statue in honour of legendary Northern Ireland goalkeeper Pat Jennings in his hometown, his home city rather, of Newry have reached uh, the final stages. The project uh, took its first tentative steps earlier this year when SDLP councillor Michael Savage brought forward a motion to the, the Newry and Mourne and Down District Council to acknowledge Jennings' legacy. He was, I mean, he was, at one time, he was the best goalkeeper in the world, anywhere in the world. The Friends of the, the Big Pat Group were established to commission the statue to honour Jennings for his achievements on and off the pitch. Uh, the notion is to recognise the former Arsenal and Spurs keeper has now entered stage three for a uh, appraisal following support from the Equality and Good Relations Reference Group. The Council Strategy Policy and Reference Committee will note the progress uh, last yesterday, last Thursday. Uh, Council Chairman Mr Savage said he was delighted the notion and it was well received by the uh, Equality and Good Relations Group and will now progress on further into the Council. Such a part, Jennings would be a fitting tribute to a living legend of Newry, who had been a remarkable ambassador to the city, both and off the pitch, in uh, terms of the location of the statue, that would be a matter to be decided at a later date. I would hope that the the, the vision for a statue of Jennings can now become a reality for the citizens of the native, of his native home of Newry, as he is only it is only right and proper. The project to rejuvenate an iconic statue of the Northern Ireland uh, record-breaking goalie has received cross-community support. Also, Unionist Party Councillor David Taylor, who seconded the original motion, said, I am very supportive <coughs> of the proposed uh, idea to erect a statue in honour of Pat Jennings. He is a very proud and, uh, of his local roots and his contribution to Northern Ireland international football in particular is legendary. Like I said, he was the best keeper in the world at one stage. It's only uh, right that a permanent statue be provided to Pat Jennings. The people of Uri take great pride in his achievements and certainly from a personal point of view as a keen Northern Ireland football fan, I would be extremely pleased to see how one of our greatest ever international football players recognised in this way. Following the successful appraisal, the, the council will the stage, it will go to stage three for a decision in the, the coming months. Don't things take time? But he was the best. I mean, the only one beaten in the same league would be George Best. He played for the Northern Ireland, and at one time he was the best player in the world. And back to reality here. Uh, the Taoiseach, uh, Michael Martin, has a, welcomed an apology from Northern Ireland Secretary Steve Baker over Brexit negotiations. Um, uh, and he found them very helpful. Mr. Baker's apology related to some of his behaviour towards Ireland. Well, he's uh, not particularly well liked, I don't think, by 
a number of people in the, what we say, the Remain side, because he was very, you know, also unionist, etc., etc. On Monday, he added that he had absolutely no desire to be in a position where relations with Ireland were in the wrong place. I'm here to get a deal that is going to work for everyone, especially repairing the damage to the east-west strand. Well, I'm not sure about that. <clears throat> when asked if progress could be made by changing the, pr- the protocol rather than removing it, Mr. Breaker says he did not want to have, you know, cause problems with the negotiations. I think he would want to focus on the latter part of his comments, that he wanted to maintain the resolve to challenge the failed protocol, he said in a radio ulcer. But the apology is obviously the thing that has attracted everyone's attention, and I must say that it is uh, very that, that he was very naive. And uh, if we want to get to the get into this series of apologies, where we do start and where do we do stop? Most unionists would probably take the view that the first apology with regard to Brexit is probably required from uh, the, the deputy uh, prime minister of the Republic of Ireland for all the misrepresentation with regard to the border issues in Northern Ireland. The European Commission has confirmed that talks will take place next week on the protocol. And as we speak, they already have started to see what they can do you know, to resolve the problem. Because it's, uh, you know, it's going to turn out to be a failed state if they don't. Mr. Breger made the apology while speaking on a panel uh, alongside Northern Ireland Secretary of State uh, Chris Hurton Maharis and Conservative peer Lord Kane, who is uh, Parliamentary Under Secretary of State at the Northern Ireland Office. But aren't there a lot of administrators? Uh, much of the discussion centred around Northern Ireland Protocol, which keeps Northern Ireland in the EU single market uh, and avoiding hard, the hard border on the, the island of Ireland to the Republic. At the conference, Mr Breaker said he and others didn't always behave in a way which encouraged Ireland and the European Union to trust us. Also, Unionist leader Doug Beatty said improving relations would help resolve the problems that we have uh, around this protocol. I think Steve Baker has started that process and I think others could join in and really show a, a, a spirit of generosity to help us move forward. That's well, good if it comes off. Meanwhile, Northern Ireland Secretary for European Affairs, Thomas Byrne, told the BBC Radio 4, there was no question that the UK negotiators had altered their tone on the protocol talks. I think it definitely contributes to a new atmosphere at a really good time when we're looking to start uh, restart technical level talks, whatever that means. Uh, Mr. To- Mr. Uh, Baker told the Irish broadcaster RTE that unionists and lawyers had not re- uh, reacted well to his apology. But I would like to just say to them, if you're going to be constructive here, we've got to de-escalate these tensions, which are really high at present, which is anything is good news. And talking about failed state, look at this, Edwin uh, Poots, he was uh, the leader for a very short period of time. The DEP, Edwin Poots, has warned of a Good Friday uh, funeral if unionist concerns over Northern Ireland protocol are not resolved. I think there's a lot more on the plate of the British government there in Westminster than worrying about the protocol in Northern Ireland at present. The Agricultural Minister uh, repeated that his party would not return to Stormont until the issue was resolved. The DUP uh, withdrew from the, the, the institutions to protest at the, the post-Brexit trading arrangements. Speaking of DRTA, he said unionist anger over the protocol meant uh, that the cross-country support needed for the 1998 peace deal uh, no longer existed. While the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill is proceeding through Parliament, he said it would still take months to come into law, which would be entirely unacceptable. That's the circumstances we find ourselves in, and therefore 
whenever Ireland invites President Joe Biden to come over for the 25th anniversary of the Belfast Agreement in Easter next year, unless uh, something radical happens and the EU decide to become a bit more re- realistic, then he'll be coming over to the, 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 the funeral of the Good Friday Agreement, etc., etc. With talks between the EU and the UK to resume this week, which they have yesterday, like I said. But uh, the Taoiseach and the British Prime Minister of this trust have called for Stormont to be uh, restored immediately. Meanwhile, a new book on the Trump presidency has claimed he found the topic of Northern Ireland deeply uninteresting. The exchange is repeated in a confidence man from the New York Times. In a meeting with uh, Theresa May, it is reported that Trump appeared to get bored when the topic switched to Northern Ireland and uh, the conversation was steered to an offshore wind farm off the Scottish coast. So he was not interested in Northern Ireland whatsoever. So, that, so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully things will work out. And this is something I found particularly interesting. Uh, da, 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 da. Government um, shield low-income families from the harsh winter ahead because we're coming into summertime, even though the weather is pretty Mickey Mouse at times here at present. Uh, but it's coming into winter there and it's going to be a severe one. People uh, don't take much note of the seasons when they are um, comfortable. Winter's cold has yet to make its present felt, and yet there is a, a chill of apprehension in the air. Executive Director of Electric Ireland, Pat Phelan, uh, re- revealed to politicians yesterday that about 125,000 of his customers have already fallen behind with rent payments. Mr. Hussein, a committee of, on the environment and climate action, he believes, is wholesale electricity costs would start would soar to €2 billion Euros this year uh, if continued. He believed the cost was only uh, uh, was only €300 million there in 2020. That's Euros again. Uh, the impact of the pandemic, but far more significantly, the complete dis- disruption of energy supplies by the Russia-Uranian uh, war. He pointed to the unprecedented rises in wholesale gas prices, which have risen over... A thousand percent, a thousand percent over the last 18 months. That's amazing. It was fortuitous, therefore, that for the government to be able to announce uh, that the cabinet had just approved a plan to pay the the three electricity companies credits to every household over the next six months. It was understood that 200 200 euros will be paid in November, January and February. They will certainly be needed. The Central Statistics Office has just revealed stark figures on the, the levels of child poverty. They say many parents do not have the money to cover basic school expenses. Bernardo's uh, Children's Charity has said the numbers relating to uh, 2021 are disturbing. That was just before the cost of living had even taken off. Last week, the EU made a key commitment that revenues derived from new measures aimed at topping into the exorbitant profits made by the energy companies would be shared within uh, this the, uh, this policy. So it's just amazing, isn't it, that they're sort of the costs are going up by a thousand percent, isn't it? Just kind of unbelievable. So it's not all sunshine and roses over there by the sound of it. And what have we got here? This is back to, you know, COVID's on the march again over in, uh, basically in the UK in particular, but, you know, in the, in the south of Ireland. According to the new figures, um, 290, people have placed, 290 people have tested positive for the COVID uh, testing. 
Despite this word, the minister vowed that they were putting the necessary resources in place and said he has full confidence that the, the health service uh, winter plan as well as this year's COVID plan. Donnelly went on to appeal to the public to get the COVID uh, booster and flu vaccine when they are due uh, one in order to protect themselves and the, the wider community. You can get your, you know, the booster and the flu vaccine at the same time. If your child is aged 5 to 11 and has a, a weak immune system, you will be contacted with an appointment for your child so that you don't have to, no need to worry. If you, uh, if you were vaccinated in another country, you can phone this number and get another booster appointment. If you're raised over 70, uh, not living in residential care, you will be invited to get your vaccine by your GP. But some GPs refer patients to a vaccine centre. So it's all on the, on the go there because I was talking to my brother in Belfast uh, last, last weekend, last Saturday, and he was saying that, you know, up in the north, you know, COVID has made a bit of a return. But most people are kind of, you know, not happy about it, but you know, because they've already been vaccinated, uh, the dangers are kind of been reduced somewhat, but it's still a new strain. And uh, that's, a, that's of concern to the health people. And this is something completely, completely different. An investigation into alleged attempts to fix Irish dancing competitions, um, hosted by its largest governing organisation, will be led by a former judge of the Irish Court of Appeal. A former judge not named, uh, the Irish uh, Dancing Commission, will investigate claims of possible inducements linked to competitions. The commission is the oldest Irish dancing and teaching organisation in the world. Uh, headquartered in Ireland, but with affiliations in Britain, America, and other various parts of the world. It's understood there are tens and tens of thousands of, comp- uh, of competitors in Ireland alone, with many more internationally. It's all Scotland championships began today there in Glasgow. Belfast hosted the, the 2022 World Championships last April. And a statement posted on its website, the organisers stated, uh, that the committee received allegations with uh, supporting documentation of several uh, grievous, grievous breaches of our code of conduct. Such unethical behaviour cannot and will not be tolerated. Due to the potential extent of allegations and to ensure fairness, transparency and th- thoughtful thoughtfulness, this, uh, the service of, an in- of a private sort of judge of the appeal has been engaged to oversee and supervise the immediate investigation into these allegations. Uh, the commission sees breaches to the, the gross misconduct as an, any you know as a serious matter. Any registered member will be engaged with, in such practice will be subject to a full and proper investigation under our. Uh, Disciplinary procedures. So Irish dancing, isn't it just unbelievable? There obviously must be some money in it somewhere because that's basically what they do. And now here, this is, I found this also quite an interesting little uh, stuff, you know, a little, uh, little article. Read. Irish passport holders, including orange men and hardcore loyalists, council debate, uh, council debate hears there's an increase in Irish passports. Amazing. A council is calling for an Irish uh, passport office to be established north of the border. Amid news that dozens and dozens of foreign men who are hardcore lawless already have the travel documents. A debate at the Newry Moorn and Down District Council this week heard stories of family holidays ruined or people being left behind from trips aboard thanks to their Irish passport taking too long to process in the Republic. Don Patrick Councillor... Uh, 
Omar Hanlon, I think that is, said the move would ease the border on facility, the burden rather, on now focal applications. Although the DUPs, Henry Riley, the Riley spelled the same way as mine, eh? interesting, dismissed the idea as silly. The latest census has shown a surge in the number of people in Northern Ireland holding Irish passports, up by 63.5% in the last 10 years. Mr Hanlon said uh, he put forward the motion to contact Irish Foreign Minister Simon Coveney to see if they can sort of speed up the process. She said, my office is inundated with people having issues with passport applications in the north. I personally have had to liaise with people who have had to cancel holidays and have spent hours on the phone at passport offices without success. There have been some families having to make the difficult choice of whether to split the family up or cancel their holidays altogether. Uh, There are people who have applied for the passport last Christmas and in June they still didn't have a, never got their passport back. Uh, really, the passport has been given to them. Passport should uh, be brought about in the north due to the, the burden on the applications. Just sheer numbers that are uh, coming through the office, it would seem. Mr Riley has uh, highlighted the growth of applications in the unionist community but was against establishing an office in Northern Ireland. Isn't that kind of weird? All of them would, that, you know, speed them up. That's one thing that is going to help if they've got an office in Belfast or wherever. Uh, I know dozens and dozens of Irishmen who are hardcore loyalists and they have an Irish passport. I understand the emotional attachment that uh, Councillor O'Hanlon would have with the Irish uh, Republic and passports, but there is absolutely no need for an Irish passport office here. There isn't even a passport office in Donegal in the north of the Republic. Why would they need one? It's got one Dublin as the capital. I have even been on the phone myself to Dublin to try to speed up the passports for my constituents. Uh... Ms Hanlon's motion passed with support from Sinn Féin, SDLP and Alliance uh, councillors, uh, members of parliament. All seven unionist councillors present voted against it. Isn't just, some things just never change and they aren't going to change for some time to come, I would say. And this is something that kind of upset me more than anything else. I think I spoke about this possibly last week. Animal baiting in uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, the Ulster SPCA Chief Executive Brendan Mullen said he believed 99% of the people involved in baiting in Northern Ireland were tar- targeting both foxes and badgers. While fox hunting is uh, legal, the chances of a badger baiting conviction are undermined because there is no, there's nothing in the defence. The, uh, the cloak, the cloak as well. Don't understand that. I was just out uh, hunting foxes, whereas in fact it was badgers that were being hurt. A uh, storm and private members bill put forward by an alliance uh, member would have closed the, that loophole by banning all hunting with dogs in Northern Ireland in line with the existing laws that exist in the rest of the UK. But the bill was defeated and with uh, storm and Upson, there is no prospect of a, uh, a change in the law at present. It's pretty cruel what they do and the sort of the animal, the dogs that they use also get pretty uh, bashed up from you know the budgers fighting back as it were. Some of the dogs have died. You know, and some of them are just, you know, all required veterinary services. We would like to see even more uh, a timeline basis, a special task force set up by the police to pro- proactively investigate this network of over 150 badger beaters in the north. The police uh, service Northern said it took reports of animal cruelty seriously. Uh, it said it had a, it is, it is said it had a wildlife and rural crime team. Ooh. Uh, 
ensuring all police officers had and, uh, and staff had access to veterinary services and to help people who were having you know, difficulties with seeing all the badger beating going on, etc., etc. It is it's just cruel, no other way for it. Just what people go, what goes through people's heads is just amazing. There's another interesting piece. We've all heard of the Giant's Causeway, one of the seven wonders of the world. Many people have grown up with the story of Finn McCool, the, the ancient giant who, uh, when faced with an opposing giant across the water, Scotland, uh, formed the famous Giant's Causeway by ripping rocks from the Antrim coastline to throw in, uh, to be thrown to Scotland. Or you may have heard the widely accepted scientific theory behind its, its formation. Lava travelled towards the sea coast and cooled when it touched the, the icy cold waters. Outside myths, uh, mythical legends, it is this explanation which has been prominent since 1940, but you know, with the lava flow. According to uh, Dr. Mark Sams, uh, curator of the National Science Museum at uh, the National Museum there in Northern Ireland, who is responsible for the fossil rock and mineral collections, within the museum uh, that shaped the, the Giant's Causeway, has disputed this. A previous study carried out in 2018 by scientists from the University of Liverpool uh, even created uh, the widely accepted process in the lab- laboratory using plastic cords drilled from the... Oh, I can't pronounce it. I mean, it must be somewhere from Iceland. The volcanic flow in Ireland... Uh, to mark UNESCO's International Geodiversity Day, Dr. Sams has explained why he believes they are caused by an event which took place just days based on the conditions that the previous theory has relied upon. If the ground had subs- uh, subsided months or years before it was filled with lava, then it would have been filled with water by the time it arri- later the lava arrives. Northern Ireland was probably a pretty humid place even back some 60 million years ago. Uh, so a depression in the ground would have filled up within months or years from rainfall and surrounding streams to form a lake. When molten lava is at a temperature of around 1,200 Celsius flows into the water, there is quite an explosive reaction as the water boils almost instantly. The softer some of the, the lava fall into, into little shapes like the giant's causeway. They're like old thrupney bits, if you remember the shape of thrupney bits. Uh, to explain his story in more simple terms, the Ulster Museum expert compares it to a layered cake, which is sunk in the middle. But you, uh, but you don't uh, have any problems with uh, you know the fact that it did happen according to him a few years ago, not millions of years ago. All the layers are still there beneath the causeway, as the layers of cake have six have sagged. So this guy is uh, bed on his own. I don't think you would want to mess too much with the, you know, that theory as it was anyway, because the Giant's Causeway is, uh, you know, a huge, huge tourist attraction. And now we get back, this is uh, about uh, the government there in Westminster, who are, uh, you know, in trouble, it would seem. Even the, the fervial atmosphere that has pervaded British, British politics uh, since uh, the, the Brexit referendum, uh, six years ago, um, events of recent weeks have managed to alleviate the levels of drama and farce at the heart of government to a new height. It is, I mean, it's just it's chaotic, in simple words. Most political leaders uh, 
uh, might expect to enjoy a honeymoon period in the initial weeks after uh, you know taking over and be received with acclaim when, when making the party faithful to their for the first time. Now, usually there's a honeymoon period, you know, people sort of let it go. It's never any too much of an argument or whatever to see how they get on. Instead, Liz Trust has formed uh, found herself facing a prospect of uh, that her premiership could be over before it had begun, following a calamitous budget that sparked chaos in international markets and uh, left a Tory party in sh- shreds, really. The party's annual conference uh, started on Sunday, the new Prime Minister and her Chancellor, uh, insisting they would stay the course on a $45 billion tax-cutting plan that would give more to the rich at a time when millions and millions of ordinary people are fighting a cost-of-living increase and huge hikes in mortgage payments in particular. Uh, the policy was announced without consultation with uh, fellow ministers and uh, mistrust was duly forced into a humiliating climb-down. Meanwhile, another reverse uh, is on the cards as anger builds up as the Prime Minister's refusal to rule out real-term real-term cuts in welfare payments with cabinet ministers, um, her own cabinet ministers, taking her on, saying that this is just not on. They're going to cut the, the benefits to people who really sort of need the money, and particularly now with the cost of living and inflation rates happening. Uh, it's just going to cause a huge number of issues for the government. It's going to cause an awful lot of poverty for you know ordinary, everyday people. So it's going to be see interesting how it happens. I'm interested in see how the, the national party here are uh, going to sort of implement similar policies if they become the government. But that's what they're talking about now to see if they have a change of heart. Okay, so what else have we got here? Oh. This an ex rugby player. This, this is an interesting. It's a good good news story. Uh, the 16-week journey started in New York with Mr. Brown, who was a, a rugby player, uh, was joined by another rower, Fergus Farrell. But following health concerns, Mr. Farrell was airlifted from the vessel weeks later and he continued the voyage alone. This guy sailed across, uh, rowing across the Atlantic. The journey saw the former uh, Connaught and Leinster forward travel more than 3,000 nautical miles since June. No mean feat. It is not the first time that uh, the Irishman has crossed the Atlantic, having rowed from San Sebastian to Antigua in 2018. He has, previ- he has previously climbed Mount Everest. The voyage called uh, Project Empire is, is, is part of a fundraising campaign for four charities. So he's doing it for good on him. He's doing it for charities. And also the fact that, you know, a lot of the rugby players now have a lot of problems with, uh, you know, concussion. And they're talking about you know, the International Rugby Board in Dublin are seriously looking at changing the rules of the game to some degree because the number of cases is um, getting higher and higher and a lot of players are in serious trouble, really. You know, it's stuff that's not going to go away. And, uh, you know, they reckon it's all linked to uh, dementia, motor neuron disease and Parkinson's. So it's, uh, you know... Is running uh, running out of steam, and a lot of the players are claiming, trying to claim compensation for the Irish. You know, I don't know about the Irish rugby union, but the rugby union board in general for uh, you know the damages that have been done to the to their, uh, I suppose their heads really more than anything else. You know, they've run out of uh, thinking power. They're just kind of in a state of confusion a lot of the time. So that really is. Grim news, you know, and see interesting. Bit to see how the the New Zealand Rugby uh, Union Board sort of uh, 
well, I don't know, tackle it, I suppose, because I, when I read it, it was all back to when rugby became professionalised in 1995, I think, and that's when, you know, the game changed, the rules changed, etc., etc., and it became a more aggressive sort of a game, and, you know, winner takes all, and, uh, yeah, a lot of people are in trouble since then, and the number of rugby players in schools and places like that are actually on the decrease, you know, which surprised me, and this also applies to football, you know, soccer, over they call it over here, uh, you know, people heading the ball, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But uh, I don't think there are too many people that are, you know, um, you know, putting in claims, uh, you know, for sort of uh, damage to their health, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to follow that with interest because I think the rugby union will be uh, under pressure, to say the least, to see what happens here. And it, has, it could be detrimental to the game of rugby. Anyway, on that note, I'm going to love you and leave you and have a wonderful weekend. Let's hope this weather sort of lasts. Because it is, it's just, you know, it's cold, yet, yeah, but, you know, the sun, it's just nice to see a bit of sun and even feel a bit of sun on your back. Anyway, take care and enjoy the crack. Be kind to one another. See ya. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.